Welcome to the Inside Inside Sales Podcast with your host, Daryl Prale. Join us every week as we interview industry leaders and experts to uncover the ways they're finding sales success today. Tune in as Daryl brings you actionable strategies and tactics that can immediately increase your sales and success. Do you know what's so exciting about this show, folks? Honestly, and I don't mean this show as in the inside, inside sales show, as we all know. You got to say it that way. Even today's guest. I've got this world totally conditioned now to say it that way. My guest who's waiting in the green room before we went on live. He said it exactly that way. And I was so proud of him. He's such a good boy. Um, no, what's so exciting about today's show is, and if you're just sitting on the audio, this will be mean nothing to you. Well, it might. We'll wait and see. Is I'm back in my actual real studio. That's right. My real studio. If you're watching video, behind me is the much much valued, much loved, much commented upon red curtain. This is where you insert that questionable adult music. All right. There is no casting couch behind me. We took it out of the room. Um, and, but the good news is if you're listening to it and you're not watching the video and you're like, Prale, I don't care about your, your damn red curtain. I'm on my much better microphone. So this is just hopefully if maybe you're driving down your car and you've got the surround sound going on, the Bose speakers. And hopefully this is just filling up your space and maybe your, your life partners beside you in the passenger seat. And she's like, who the hell is this obnoxious dude? And why do you listen to him? If that's what's going on right now in your life, this is good. If you're listening on, maybe, maybe you've got, you know, some, uh, the the Apple headphones, right, with a spatial audio. I'm going to get Daniel, the producer, to mix this up so it sounds like everything I'm coming from is different speakers. How What do you think about that idea, right? Just really, really mess with you. So it's great to be back in the, the, the studio. And I'm actually really, I'm actually really genuinely heartfelt, not just pretend, excited about today's conversation and guests. And I'm, I'm going to set the stage why. So as you all know, I took on the CRRO role. I can't even say that. I haven't even been drinking yet. Chief Revenue Officer. Let's go with that. Uh, about a year ago. And, uh, and at the time, it created some waves in the industry because I was a Chief Marketing Officer who had become a Chief Revenue Officer. And that's just something that's unheard of, apparently. <clears throat> and that's wrong, by the way. We should fix that. Um, so, but before I took on the role, before I took on the role, before I said yes, and I've shared this before, I reached out to a number of people and I said, um, you know, should I do this? Uh, what advice can you give me? These are all people who you know and love in the industry whom you go to, people whom I similarly respect. And I got a lot of positive feedback. So I took the role with that foundation. And then as I spent the next 30 days doing a complete and very thorough, exhausting, it's the hardest 30 days of my life to this date and time. Uh, audit of the operations, I started to realize some of the changes that needed to be done. And I went back to those same people and a few others. And I said, I need, help me understand. Talk to me about culture. Talk to me about hiring. Talk to me about engaging my sales folks. Talk to me about so many parameters because I started to realize that while we were doing very well before I took on the job. I mean, the reason I got the job is because there were certain ambitious goals we really wanted to achieve. And in my audit, I, I, I confirmed many of my suspicions, which there were some shortcomings. 
Perhaps we hadn't hired the right people. Perhaps we didn't train them correctly. Perhaps we didn't inspire them and motivate them correctly. Perhaps because of the culture of the people that we hired, our less than optimal results were a byproduct. In other words, we got what we deserved because that's what we hired. And I needed to change the hiring and the training and, and, and the development, keyword development of the reps. Now, one day, if you're not in this role right now, if you're not a sales leader, you're a sales bag carrying rep, you can appreciate this from your own personal point of view and how you feel valued, how you feel developed, how you feel like you're being grown or not. We leaders understand when you do not feel that way. We can see it in your results. And of course, that's why we have an 18-month you know, shelf life and then we get our asses fired. If you're a leader listening to this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Too many leaders fall back on saying, we'll hit our numbers if we just do our activity. You got to do the 60 calls a day. Just 60 calls a day. Bing, 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 bing. Or 80 or 100. If you do that, we'll be fine. But of course, they're not because they're just dealing with the symptom and not the actual problem that's causing the team to underperform. And so I, I spent so much time trying to figure this out and talk to so many people. And then fast forward, you know, half a year when I'm already in the job. And what happens is fricking David Delaney and Kyle Van Voris come out with this book called the sales development framework. Where the hell was he when I took over the job? That's what I want to know, because everything in this damn book speaks to everything I learned the hard way and had to have a lot of conversations. And it cost me a lot of money and favors old and beers, you know, consumed. But it's all right here now. So here's the beauty. I, I read the book. I read the book. All right. And this thing is amazing. And. As I read it over and over again, all I kept on saying to myself was, yeah, and I got to share this with the team. And I was thinking to myself, the funny part was because, you know, David and Kyle are talking not just to, I mean, the first audience is, is the leaders. But if you're a bag carrying rep reading this, you start to understand what your obligation is too. You start to understand why your bosses are doing some of the things they're doing. And if you aspire for a long-term career in sales, which means management one day. You need to read this book now. And then you need to ask your boss, why are you doing this? Why are you not doing this? Because you know what? Delaney and Van Boris on page 130 said, your personal brand is important, but you're not equipping me to do my personal brand, for example. So I got to get Delaney on the show because obviously Van Boris wasn't available. He would have been my preferred choice. He's way better, even though his name is second on the list. And, and that's what I did. Mr. Delaney, welcome to the show, my friend. Wow. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I'm so excited to dive in on this, Daryl. I appreciate it. You're scared shitless, aren't you? You have no idea what I'm going to ask you right now, right? I'm a little, I'm a little scared. That's a big intro, but I'm, I'm hoping that every sales rep in the United States is reading this and has their finger on the Amazon button. So let's dive in. Why didn't you release this <laughs> July 1st in 2020, dude? That would have been much better for me. That's my first bitch. Hey, listen, so I want to say something. Um, <laughs> in the book, on the opening page of the acknowledge, acknowledgements page up front, uh, you gave me a shout out. Daryl Uncle D. Prail. <laughs> and, uh, you know, brother, I am, uh, I, am, I am honored to be in your, uh, your rarefied air. So let's just go into this right away. I'm going to bounce around here, folks, okay? Because there's so much good stuff in this book. I mean, the gist of the, David, 
before I start, let's help me set the stage. Yeah. You give me the gist of the book and what was your motivation for writing the sales development framework, how to build and scale a highly productive sales development program. Talk to me. Yeah. It, you know, it's funny. Um, I, it took forever to do. And uh, it, so it's my bad. So I, I owe you a beer. Yeah, and, you and owe me, <laughs> dude. And it really was linking up with Kyle that that finally kicked it into gear. So long story short, I had been running sales development programs for several years. And then we started working with sales development, you know, managers and executives here at Tenbound on the advisory side of the business. And, I, you know, there's just patterns. You, if you're in something for so long, you, you know, you'd have to be really <laughs> blind to not to start to see the same things over and over again got those down, put those into our sales development manager training, which we offer, you know, as a Zoom or online as a self-paced, and and then took the the sections of the training and just essentially those are the chapters of the book. Um, and, you know, we can dive in on that, but it's just, it's stuff that I just saw over the years and you'd have to be completely crazy not to start to see those patterns. All right. Now, you folks have heard me say many times recently, uh, as you know, I was at the Outbound Conference recently, but I was just watching me, I was watching an encore presentation of my own keynote yesterday, uh, and I don't watch myself often for obvious reasons, because I'm my own worst critic, <laughs> and uh, and I, I, I liked what I saw, you know, so that, I, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, you should do that. But one of the things I shared with everybody, yeah. and I stand by this, is that the Outbound Conference is is what I would say to you. It's it's one of the it's I always say it's the, it's the best sales sh- uh, event for sales reps. It's, it's a show by sales reps for sales reps. Now, that's what I've always said, and I stand by that. But if you have been listening to me for a while, I want to remind you what I've also said. I said Ten Bound and their events are the it's the best sales show for sales development, which is very different than sales reps. All right. And there's going to be some overlap, but if you want to develop and grow and build a team and understand all the machinations and issues and, and challenges that go with that, whether you're a leader or a sales rep, then you got to check out 10 bound. Those are my two one, a one B shows in the space. And I've been to a lot different focus, different areas. But so if you haven't done 10 bound yet, please do 10 bound. And I say that not because it's a plug, but because I genuinely am sharing that with you. All right. Uh, as I go, I'm just going to bop around here. You start off page nine, sales development, self-assessment, and you've got how many, you've got, you've got 14 questions here on, and you ask us to rate our effectiveness for each item with a yes or a no. So I'm just going to go through a couple to set the, the tease people. Okay? okay. Number one, I, so if this is for sales leaders. You should be listening and sales reps. You should say, Hmm, I wonder if my sales leader has even thought of that. I have articulated the sales development team culture. Yes or no. I have shared our culture statement with our team and received their buy-in. Yes or no. My leadership style, hiring practices, and coaching techniques are imbued, good word, are imbued with our cultural values. Yes or no. In my leadership style, I build upon our team with encouragement, frequent coaching, and positive attitude. Yes or no. The team sees me working alongside them, demonstrating the behavior I wish them to emulate. Yes or no. It goes on. It goes on. Wow. And then uh, you come up with, a, and I would so this was the killer. How often did you answer yes? 10 to 14 times, hey, you're looking great. Three to nine times, <laughs> I love you put this. You need to dig into all of the chapters that follow. Zero to three times, uh, okay, this is not what you say, but I'll, this is what you meant. You're a dumbass, and why are you in leadership? Okay, so 
Uh, call, where call did this assessment come from? Because it's really well done. Thank you. I, I, you know, so so we're leading the witness a little bit. So it's it's essentially the chapters are laid out in a sequential pattern. So if you're if you're you know uh, running a team that is doing great, but there could be some things wrong, or you know you're completely starting from scratch and you need to start a team, so you, you can start at the beginning and go right through. So each of the questions kind of teases out. You know, how far along are you in the various parts of the book? And and so if you come up with a zero, um, I, I would say g- give us a call. You know, we can help you out <laughs> or buy the It's book. only at a zero. <laughs> Otherwise, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in, in any any part of that continuum. But it just it's it's not to, like, hold you, you know, uh, you know, neener, neener, neener type of thing. But it's. it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's to it's to give you some things. That everybody needs to work on. I mean, this is new, you know. I mean, sales sales development as we define it is, um, you know, it, it 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 goes way back to telemarketing and things like that. But the way that we're doing it now in the tech industry and all the different, you know, acronyms and everything is is relatively new. So hey, I mean, nobody nobody's an expert in this yet. One of the things that people forget is that sales reps forget is that often for your sales leadership and you're frustrated with them, this is often their first time doing it. So mm-hmm. that's why you should buy them this book and just leave it on their desk. <laughs> uh, I'm going to jump ahead. Uh, page 48. Mm-hmm. Well, it's actually probably before 48, but you start talking about, um, this is where I'm, I'm, you talk about, it's all about hiring in this process, right? And you're looking at, you know, types of people, hiring strategies, developing the ideal candidate profile. But at page yeah. 48, you get into recruiting steps and you've got seven steps the pre-screening process the pre-screening assessment the phone screening process live exercise role play live interviews internal discussions and offer mm. i couldn't find this anywhere and i'm hiring a boatload of people i could not find this anywhere i'm not making this up i went to my recruiter and i said all right so this is what i want and this is my ideal candidate profile exactly as you said thank you very much it's in the book yeah and um and they said, thank you very much, Mr. Frail. Most people don't have this. We have to pull this out of them. You're a rock star. And I said, well, Delaney. I mean, uh, <laughs> Van Boris, not Delaney. And, um, and I said, okay, great. So you're going to send me candidates. And they're like, yeah. And they're going to be screened and, and everything because you know what I want. You got the profile. And they're like, yeah. And I said, great. So I don't want to F this up. When you give me that, what do I do? <laughs> and there was silence. And I asked this of multiple recruiters. And they're like, well, you, you interview them. You, you do your thing. And I'm like, well, what's the thing? Because you're the professional. Like, here's the thing, recruiters. If you're listening, if you're a recruiter, listen up. Mm-hmm. Most of you give a, a guarantee. You know, if they leave within three months or six months, we'll backfill them for you. And for a few shekels more, we'll give you a full one-year warranty. That's right. Sign here. And I'm like, so if they suck, you're going to be out of pocket so it's in your best interest to make sure I don't mess up this handoff. So tell me how to do it. Mm. Tell me what works. Because candidly, this is what drives culture. That's what I learned a long time ago. The culture you get is the culture you hire. Mm. And people don't understand that. And you went through and you actually outlined the whole thing. So when you look at the whole, these seven steps, I love it. For example, here we go. Here are three SDR traits that you can quickly find within a resume. And these are brilliant. Mm. So reps, listen to the show. Does your resume, 
Is it, I'm going to use a, a Delaney word, is it imbued with these three elements, okay? One, have they ever sold anything? Two, have they ever done something on their own initiative without being told? Three, and this is, this is like, when I saw this, I was like, boom, that's it, mic drop. Number three, do they have a growth mindset? I got to tell you, that's the first thing I look for in every single resume. Do you have a growth mindset? Is it jumping off the page at me? And every single rep that I've hired is actively investing in 10 bound or in a Patreon group with, you know, insert notable trainer here or has can quote, you know, Jeb Blunt or somebody else. And, and they speak to how they're developing this out. They have a growth mindset. They're committed to their game. And the ones who don't work out have no idea who Delaney is or who Jeb Blunt is, or they can't even spell growth mindset. So you go on, but I love this whole, the whole idea of the live exercise role play and, and the live interviews. So talk to me about the recruiting steps. What was the catalyst there? And what's the reaction been on this particular part since you published? Yeah. And so just taking a step back, we start with the culture and the culture statement and establishing that. And that's the first thing that most people just whiz through, right? Because it's like, what is that? It's so squishy and ushy, gushy type of thing. But it's really, really important, as you mentioned, to take a step back and really establish what is the type of culture and what is the type of team that we want to put out in, into the into the market to represent us? And you, you've got to at least have some version one written down on a piece of paper that this is what we want the culture to be uh, for the team, because that's the foundation. Then you can get into the ideal candidate statement that would that would you know, uh, imbue the <laughs> culture with the right people. And then you can start to recruit for those people. So. You know, that step number one, get that ideal vision of what the team is in your head and then go and, and start to do the recruiting. And, and, and then, yeah, we get, give you some steps in there that can help you to find those people. The other quick thing, Daryl, is that people don't put enough emphasis on recruiting, especially as in a leadership role. Recruiting is the really the I, I don't know if it's the most important, but but getting the right people on your team is so in, incredibly critical to your success as a leader that you can't rush through it. And especially in the SDR world, it's let's get some butts in the seats and hook them up with vanilla soft and, you know, get them some data and off to the races. You know, that's what we see all the time. And it's just a recipe for uh, low performance and not the vanilla soft part, but the people. Well, no, 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 no. Actually, <laughs> I, you, even I will be an yeah. asshole today to admit that maybe the vanilla soft house isn't as perfectly in order as it should be sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. And that's, that's why culture is so important. Like, and we started looking at some of that, uh, the, the culture profile, the ideal candidate profile, and we looked at mm -hmm. attributes, right? And this is a starting yeah. point. And what we gained consensus on was these are just a few that we were looking for, intentionally looking for, that they were curious, that they were competitive that they were committed to their draft that they were coachable all right so you started seeing there's so we got some c's going on there right yeah. and then i laugh because in your that same page page 149 you have a whole section on 
coachability and how to tell if someone is coachable. I can't tell you how, if you get someone who's not coachable, you can oh. invest all you want to in them. So they're coming, they're coming to you with a big, big ass salary and you're in your, and then they want another big ass commission. And Hey, I don't begrudge you reps for wanting that, but you know, me as a boss, I have to watch my budget. So it's a balancing act. Yeah. And you'd understand that because I need to make money at the company. And so you impact the cost of sale. Pretty simple math. And so I'm committed to coaching you, but if you're not coachable, I'm going to waste six months, nine months, 12 months before I finally, you know, pull the chute and say, you're not a good fit for this company because you're not coachable. And that's why your numbers aren't hitting where they should be. All right. But if you're coachable, then that's a whole different kettle of fish. And, uh, and I really, 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 really like that. So that was impressive that you did that. So that was, I loved it. So anyway, my point is, Here's a question that, you know, on the coachability, folks, here's what he actually says. So if you're listening, can you, how would you answer this to your boss? Uh, how to, to tell if someone is coachable, ask about a time when they were struggling and received advice, then put it into practice and improve. Do they have a few ready answers? Ask what it was they did to improve when they did struggle. Did they seek guidance and then follow the given suggestions? During the interview, ask them to perform an action, then give them some advice about that action and have them do it again. Did they implement your suggestion on the second try? That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And by the way, and the, when, I do your, when I get to the point of doing reference checks on you, I'm going to ask about this. I'm going to drill down on that just so you know. I don't want you to be shocked. It's huge. I so, mean, there's, there's nothing worse than working, especially in the SDR world, than it, you know, someone who knows everything already. Right? And, and they, they sit down and they've got their whole prospecting plan is bu- bulletproof and they know exactly what to say to the prospects and they're doing everything right. And, you know, you with, you know, 20 years of experience can't really add any value. And I mean, this is a hypothetical, but I see this all the time, you know, and it's someone who just graduated from college, you know, six months ago has all the answers figured out. But then if you dig into the data, they're really struggling and they need some help and and you're there to support them. There's nothing worse than having them come back to you and be like, I've got this all figured out. I've got this handled. I know exactly what to do. Leave me alone. You know, um, and, and you, you really want the opposite of that type of attitude on the team. Oh, that's that's the biggest thing. I, I, yeah. I'm trying to create a part of my culture is not just the people, but it's also the, the methodology and how we sell. Mm-hmm. Right. So you might have had success selling this way before, maybe a used car sales rep and that had a certain style. But that used car sales rep approach may not work in, say, in a high-tech SaaS environment, just different buyers, different processes. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to coach you on how to adapt your style to this type of selling because you represent my brand right now my, my, and my experience and the whole customer experience. And if you won't adapt, then you're not, you know, I don't want you representing my brand, no matter how nice you are, et cetera. So that's a big one. Yeah. And your takeaways in this chapter were great. Decide on your high-level hiring strategy, which most Leaders don't do, honestly. Mm-hmm. Refine your own personal brand as a leader. Oh, we're going to get to that one, by my, my friend. <laughs> Stick to an interview process and take chances and never be afraid to bet on a person with drive. And that's big a big time. one, drive. I talk about commitment, commitment to the craft, commitment to success. That's also where competitive comes in. If you're competitive, then that's going to be, that's going to help you, you know, have more drive because you want to succeed. You, you want to be number one um, or at least in the top three since we're in the spirit of the Olympics right now. Um, mm-hmm. Refine your own personal brand as a leader. That was one of your takeaways. And I want to kind of jump ahead. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm bopping around here. But on page, was it 129 or something? 130? Yeah. 130. Man, this is for the rap. You talk about... 
uh, managing your external reputation. Sometimes it's called a personal brand. An external reputation is how you are perceived. Um, and person, there are two components to building a strong external reputation. It's personal branding and content creation. All right, so talk to me about this. This is sales development framework. And I find, and all honestly, that... Most leaders and most reps have no clue about personal brand. If you even bring it up, you say, oh, that's just bullshit. That's just marketing. That's, that's not how people buy. They buy for me because I'm me. You know, we have a personal report. And they, I just, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I don't want to do it. And I contend that's absolutely the exact opposite of how people buy. They're looking for reasons to not trust you. That's where personal brand can overcome that. You hit this up in this book. And I love that you fat that you actually went to the leaders. And I said, what's your leadership brand? So talk to me about the importance of brand. And what can you teach our audience today? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, and and especially in the SDR world, because it, it, as a sales leader, you know, as a VP of sales, you can bring your top reps with you. They usually bring, you know, five or six of their top sales reps with them as they go from company to company, and they can instantly have a awesome sales team. But we can't do that in the SDR world. It, literally, you're starting from you know, zero every 12 to 18 months as people are getting promoted and, you know, uh, they're, they're, you know, moving on to different positions within the company. So, so, you know, we can't bring the top SDR as we go from company to company. They're, they're off doing something else. So, so your personal brand as a as sales development leader becomes even more important and you have to think about it. And, and what we see out there is you're so busy, you know, you're working 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week on, on your, you know, internal company, you're, you're, you're uh, managing d- down to the team, you're managing up to your boss. Who's got time to think about writing a blog post or being on a webinar or doing things like that. But you really do have to think about it because that's the way that people learn about you. And so if they go to your LinkedIn profile and there's there's no post, there's no information, it's an it's there's no picture sometimes. It's just uh, you know, you know, you're you're cutting yourself off from opportunities that 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 may present themselves for your career so it's just something really important to think about there's multiple things here that i'm looking at and we're running out we're running out of time guys so candidly you need to go buy the book because we're just out of time or you need to follow delaney right now on linkedin Mm -hmm. or maybe kyle van Voorst. he's probably better looking anyway (laughs) and uh and just you reach out to him to follow up but um I love you talk about page 62, developing your onboarding process. That was one of the first things we did. In fact, I did a couple of things. I completely revamped the onboarding process. I hired dedicated instructional designers. I remember saying, I remember getting people saying, what's an instructional designer? And I'm like, that's the person who's going to make killer content and train you guys and and, and qualify you guys and certify you guys. I remember taking the, the training program, which was several days previously. And now we're between three and four weeks. Uh, between our minimum of three, and we're actually learning as we keep on hiring more reps and putting them into the program that even three may be ambitious because by the Friday of every week, they're just so overwhelmed, they kind of need a day to decompress to kind of re- you know review what they learned on Monday to Thursday. So our three-week program has now become basically a three-and-a-half-week program, giving them that time to just understand it. And, um, and then you've got the whole idea around in two weeks, minimally. And I love that. Mm. Too many people don't give any training. I can't tell you how many people say, put them on the phones. That's how you learn. Put them on the phones. <laughs> I'm like, really? You want your brand by some buffoon who doesn't know what the hell to say? 
and it could be a perfectly yeah. good lead, but because they pissed them off because they were a moron, they were a dumbass uh, because they had no training. That's what you want. So anyway, that's my point of view. So uh, you talk about that, and then you go on, and you talk about develop, building your sales development playbook. Mm-hmm. And this is where we put the biggest amount of investment in when I took over. We hired experts, even though we're in this business. This is what I do every single day. I still hired outside people to help me to have a sanity check into, into and because they see so many other people than just yeah. me. And they can help me, you know, because I was a first time CRO, right? So they can help me overcome some of these mistakes. We spent a lot of time and money. And we actually held back on hiring until we had the playbook completed and done. And then once the playbook was done, that's what drove our ideal candidate profile. So we knew how to hire to support the playbook. Again, where the hell was this book in July 2020? So talk to me about the playbook. I mean, how many companies out there get this wrong, David? Yeah, well, it makes me think of like, a, a, you know, not to give a military reference, but it's it's kind of like. But you're going to give a military. I'm going to give it anyway. Yes, <laughs> I mean, there you are. Like the the analogy is boot camp. So so the the way you know you know boot camp is all set up correctly. Um, they have the 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 uh, you know sergeant who who has done this you know several times, and and everything's all regimented. Right. Yeah. And and um, and you, you put somebody in there with no experience, and they come out, you know, ready to, to go to battle. And what we do with SDRs a lot of the times is, you know, the, the, there's no boot camp. I mean, you just walk in, they give you a rifle. It could be like the best possible technology and, um, you know, a pat on the back, shave your head and you're you're out, you know, and, and uh, not even a leader. A lot of times, a lot of times SDR programs don't even have a manager. So it's a bit of a mess out there and and you look at you look at uh, the 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 playbook for example is a place where you can focus the tribal learning um, and and put it all into one package so that now you've got something to really bite down on during that boot camp process to get them ready to to go out and represent your brand so it's critical um, the other quick thing is a lot of people are intimidated by bringing in, you know, advisors and consultants and things like that, because, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, it was like, oh, my God, I'm going to get outsourced, you know, or uh, McKinsey McKinsey's coming in and going to lay off, you know, half the company. But the best leaders out there are constantly bringing in consultants and advisors and, and helpers. Because, just for your point, they can see around the corners. They're not laser focused in like you are and uh, they can bring in a lot of value from seeing outside you know the industry and what's working out there well the only reason i even was aware to do all this i mean a i've been doing this for a long time but mm-hmm. b it was because again i reached out to all those other people including yourself if i recall um to get that input right mm-hmm. so for those of you thinking you can do it on your own you can't okay you're a moron if you try to do it on your own use your network ironically okay. going back to why you build your brand is their brand will actually help build your own network at the same time, believe it or not. Because mm-hmm. not uh, building a brand doesn't mean you're, fo- you're creating, you know, a group of followers, a group of groupies. You're not the Pied Piper. It means you're building a reputation for being someone who's knowledgeable. That's as attra- attractive to someone to follow your content as it is for a peer 
a colleague or somebody whom you're a groupie of to come back to you and say, help me understand this more. And you have those healthy conversations because you seem credible and I can learn something from you. That's like when you're selling, when you're selling, every single prospect is interested in what you have to say if they perceive that you can help them learn something or fix something. So again, personal brand does exactly that. And on that front, you know, one of the things we didn't talk about was that page 130 onward, David actually gives you the actual how to build your brand. Not just what is a brand, how to build your brand, which is the question I get over and over again. I'm not you, Prale. I can't do what you did. Yeah, bullshit, you can. Just follow these steps. Um, Because you know what? There was a time when I didn't have a brand either. So um, now, so the playbook is massive. Reps, do you know your playbook? Go to your boss and say, what's our playbook? Are you interviewing for a job? Ask them. Show me the playbook. (laughs) <laughs> you will get the right job when they say, hey, great question. Here it is. Okay, that's massive. Now, I know we're out of time. I want to kind of end here. Page 100, you start getting into the stuff that nobody wants to talk about, which are analysis, analytics. Page 100 specifically, what metrics should you be tracking? One of my conditions when I took the job was that I had permission. Actually, I got three. One, I can hire a rep anywhere in the world. Two, I built a sales enablement team, hence why we have the content, the onboarding, everything else. Three, I built a formal RevOps team. So why RevOps? Many reasons. But one, specifically, that's sales ops, marketing ops, it's revenue ops, is that my reps needed to know and monitor and optimize how they were doing. Like, that's that back to that commitment to growth, all right? is that I, my reps should be hungry for data and analysis so they can continue to optimize myself. But secondarily, as a leader, I needed data because when the CEO or my executive peers or the board comes to me and says, why didn't we do this or why are we doing that? I need to be able to give them, you know, this is why. Here's the data. And, th- and because I had the data, I have now made informed decisions on how I'm adjusting my playbook or I'm adjusting my hiring or whatever it might be. Data was critical. People, reps don't like metrics, David. How do you do metrics as a leader and sell it to your reps is a good thing? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really good point. And, and real quick, and if there's anyone, you know, they have an SDR team or they're they're putting it together. You know, one thing to think about is you can't do it all. They're, they're specialists and you don't necessarily have to go and hire six SDRs. If you can break off at least one person that's kind of that hybrid rev ops slash enablement person to support yep. the team. Nailed it. It's huge because a lot most SDR managers burn out quick because they're trying to do everything, the art and the science. And and it's just it's 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 I see it all the time out there. So, if you know, if you can convince someone to help you to break off at least one headcount for that position, I would highly recommend it because, as Daryl said, it's so critical. Um, and so from a metrics perspective, to your question, Daryl. Tie it back to what's important to the business. That's what's critical. We, as sales development leaders, we really don't have a seat at the table because a lot of times we're clueless, to be honest, <laughs> about what effect this has and the cost that, that, it, that it takes to put one of these teams together. So the more that you can bring expertise into what's important to the business, the, the more relevant the metrics will become. So I'll give you an example. What's the most important thing for the CRO? 
revenue, right? So how do we tie all of our metrics back to the most important number for Daryl and, and everything that we're doing to make Daryl look great? That, those are the metrics that we want to focus on. I want to book you for another follow-on conversation maybe five years from now because i, I got to build up my, oh, just, you know, my courage to be in the same room with you. Um, <laughs> one of the things we don't talk about in here is kind of an advanced topic, but once you've been a sales leader for a while, you know what I'm talking about, and maybe you reps listening and will go, oh, yeah, I get it, is roles and responsibilities. So what I mean by that is this. It's been my experience that the CEO tries to do the CRO job. The director of VP of sales tries to do the CRO job. The sales rep tries to do the director of sales job because we all have this issue about control. I have these problems and I'm just going to take control because I don't see anybody else doing it because yeah, you're in every single meeting. You know exactly what's taking place. Um, and, and what you get is discord on, and disharmony on the team because you won't stay in your lane or you won't trust the process. You won't trust the other person to do their job. I'd love to have a conversation with you sometime about roles and responsibilities to a healthy and successful sales team because I think that's the next big uh, problem we need to solve. With that said, uh, guys, we're at a time. David, page 157, has got a great list of recommended reading, clearly stuff that he's consulted and uh, when he and Kyle put this book together. Ironically, I didn't notice this until just now, but apparently some guy named Daryl Prey on how to create a winning culture for your sales development reps was referenced in here. So <laughs> that's brilliant. I like that Experts one. Now, I do have a concern. I did go through the table of contents, the index. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and David, as I go through here, I looked under D and I looked under P, and I didn't see any reference to Daryl Prail in the table of contents. I'm assuming that was an editorial oversight, and you'll re- rectify that in version two of the book? Oh, yeah. De- yep, definitely. It's actually going to be completely dedicated to you, Daryl. That's, that's, get rid of the riffraff. That's right. Just focus. <laughs> just one, um, one name. Just one name. Now, my friend, you've got, a, uh, you've got an event coming up. I, I just got the email the other day in my inbox on August. Talk to me about that, and, uh, and, and would my audience care about uh, attending that? And if so, oh, why? Absolutely. I mean, it's right on with what we're talking about today, and hopefully we can get you on board and we can dive in more on this. So we're, we're, we're talking revenue alignment, which is right up your alley, and how right to herd, herd the cats, if you will, of the go-to-market team so that we're working as a machine versus what we see out there and what you alluded to, uh, more of a, uh, well, not at VanillaSoft, but at some companies out there. It's, it's Other not companies. as synchronized as possible. I hear sales loft and outreach no. are really dysfunctional. That's what I hear. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. We, you know, uh, we hear all kinds of stuff, and and we're, so we're going to be focusing on how do we create revenue alignment, and then create opportunities for SDR leaders to move in. You know, the next generation of SDR leaders are looking at things from a pipeline perspective, and can really add a ton of value, you know, to companies and their own career by thinking bigger. So that's the theme. It's August twenty fifth. Not sure when this is going to come out, but. It's free registration, August 25th, and it's over at 10bound.com. All right, guys. Um, you know, I, I interview a lot of people who write some really great books. This one was personal for me because I'm, I'm living it. And chances are, if you're a sales leader, you are too. If you have aspirations for sales leadership, there is a big, dramatic, substantial uh, 
abyss between what it is to be a sales rep and what it is to be a sales leader. And I strongly suggest you buy this for a little professional development so you understand and you can start to make that transition necessary in your own professional approach to your job or how to get hired or what to ask in an interview or what to challenge to make sure it's the right fit for you. Um, This is all part of you becoming a better sales pro. Finally, if you find your sales leadership perhaps is not optimal in your organization, wonderful people, just not optimal. Let's go with that. Um, this makes a great gift and he doesn't need, you don't even have to put it. You don't have to say it's from anybody. It can just be completely anonymous. Just shows up on their seat one day and there it is. All right. Get all learn something. It's a sales development framework. It's on Amazon and I'm sure it's at every major bookstore nearby, but I just tend to shop on Amazon. So that's me. Um, give it a review, give it a like, follow David on, on, uh, on LinkedIn. He's very active there. He's also very active on Twitter. He's the best retweeter I have out there. I just want you to know that. And, uh, and check out the 10-bound event. David, thank you for your time today. As always, I've had a lot of fun. How you doing, my friend? Are you staying well? Yeah, I mean, it's just an honor to be here, uh, you know, to be on the show. And I want to thank you for always uh, supporting 10-bound and being a big fan. So you're, you're awesome, man. Thanks for putting this on. Kids, we're done. We're out of time. We're like way over time. But, you know, for Delaney, we give a little extra minute or two for him. Um, as always, I'd be most grateful. If you could spread the love on the show, maybe send a link to a friend, tell them to listen to this episode specifically, maybe send this link to your boss and just say, Hey, you know what? I think you might get something out of this. Um, in the meantime, we're done. We're out of here. My name is Daryl. This is another episode in the books of the inside inside sales show. Take care. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Inside Inside Sales Podcast with your host, Daryl Prale. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, we would greatly appreciate you taking a moment to leave us a review on the platform you're listening to the show from today. Also, please feel free to share this program with your friends and colleagues. Thank you. Daryl will be back again next week. <laughs>